Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to a special edition of the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. I am currently recording this from my apartment in Brooklyn because, the whole, as the whole world knows, there's a pandemic afoot. And uh, a lot of people are confused and scared. And uh, in particular today, I want to talk about the restaurant industry and what they are, are seeing. Obviously, this is first and foremost a, uh, you know, a, a crisis for everybody in affected areas, which is basically the globe at this point. We want to make sure that people stay safe and well and healthy and take every possible precaution that uh, we are being advised to, to prevent the spread of this disease that we are still just learning more and more about. But um, at the same time, we are all people who, if you're listening to this podcast, you really deeply care about restaurants and the people who work in them. And they're in a really hard time uh, right now as information is coming in fast and furious. Things are changing all the time um, here in New York City. Uh, gatherings of more than 500 people have been banned. Restaurants have been told to go to 50% capacity to make sure that people can maintain safe social distance. And people are afraid. Um People are, people are genuinely scared because, again, this is something that we really, for the most part, have not faced in our lifetime. I'm a person who very publicly has dealt with anxiety and mental health issues, and uh, this, is, this, is, this is frightening in a lot of different ways. I'm trying my best to remain calm and support the people around me, keep doing my job at uh, food and wine. And what we're trying to do is support the restaurant industry as best we can. Everybody is going to make their own decision about uh, what to do to keep themselves safe. If you do not feel well, do not go out. If you do not feel safe, do not go out. If you do uh, feel safe and you are able to support your local restaurant, this is the time to do that. Um, They're hurting. Um, People are afraid to come in, understandably. Um, I'll say up front that the people I know who work in restaurants are the people with the best uh, sanitation habits that I have ever known. It is, they are probably better suited than anybody out there to take care of public health. They are constantly washing, sanitizing. They never know when the health inspector is going to show up. So they it's not optional for them to uh, to wash down things, take care of themselves, uh, keep safe and, and sanitary. Um, they're taking every precaution that they possibly can. Those restaurants that can afford to do so are offering paid sick leave for people who are, are diagnosed. Um, not every restaurant has the uh, capability to do that at this particular point, though, um, because, again, we're in uncharted territory, but restaurants that are remaining open... Everyone I've talked to has said that they're just doubling down on their safety protocols that they have always taken and making sure that their guests are are safe and well-fed. And right now is a time when they're scared, too, for their own well-being. Because of these measures that are being enacted, people aren't going out to restaurants. They're hunkering at home and they're feeding themselves, and that is a beautiful thing to do. Feeding yourselves and, and other people in a time of crisis is a really wonderful thing to do. Restaurants right now aren't making money, and the people who work in them are not generally people who can afford to lose a shift, to lose tips, to lose you know, an hour of work 
um, they just can't do it. They live paycheck to paycheck, don't have health insurance for the most part, and are really, really struggling right now. And I've spoken with a lot of restaurateurs today and who are were, who were just scared that they're not going to be able to make it through the next few weeks or months, that they're not going to be there and be open when uh, people are ready to come back to restaurants. And there are some measures that the public can take to support their local restaurants right now um, in, in, these, in these dark times. Even if you're afraid to go out to a restaurant, um, you can buy gift certificates. You can... Uh, you promise to you can book a gathering or a reservation at a future date um as you'll hear uh, amanda cohen of dirt candy say uh coming up you can just drop them a note and say hey we support you we're thinking about you we will be back in when um when we feel like we're safe and able to do this there are a lot of different ways to support people um talked with a few people who you'll hear from um in just a moment i want to also note that because of these strange circumstances i'm not working with my usual recording equipment and i'm working with whatever i happen to have at home uh one of the calls that we tried to do it twice and uh, it failed uh recording i spoke with the amazing ryan lachane from real restaurant in Houston. Um, he is a wonderful Canadian man who has run a restaurant in Houston through through a lot. He's been through uh, Hurricane Harvey. He has uh, supported his community in a lot of really tremendous ways. So you're not going to get to necessarily hear his voice on this particular podcast. But what I wanted to put across from him was that really, if, if you want that place to be open when you are ready to go back out into the world, support them now support them the best way that you can he is trying like heck to uh take care of his staff in these uncertain times when information is changing hour by hour moment by moment about what people are advised to do to stay safe he's taking all the usual protocols um he's trying to shift to offer uh delivery and takeout at his restaurant which is something that they don't normally do but you have to adapt in these times and uh you know he has a lot of people who work for him who um it's a pretty small restaurant it's it's 20 people um who work there and you know he can do his best to support them for right now but uh the center's not going to hold for a long time and they need um you know money for their bottom line right now um they've been there for um for their community a whole lot um during this time and if you can possibly get out to a place like riel in houston or your local spot um if you do feel safe to go out go out and do that support the people tip as well as you possibly can and ensure that there is a restaurant and a restaurant community to support um when we are back on more stable ground so uh go to real houston and also um i've spoken with some other people uh who really are we're all, it's a tough day for a whole lot of people. And they were willing to get on the phone and talk with me about what it is they're seeing, what is, is they're doing and how they are adapting. So I spoke with, um, Chris Shepard of Underbelly, also in Houston, um, and he has an incredible project uh, called Southern Smoke, where they uh, offer money and support to people who need it, um, both in Houston, but um, elsewhere as, as well. I spoke with Amanda Cohen from Dirt Candy in New York City, where she's had to deal with cutting down capacity of the restaurant and people uh, and uh, people to serve. And um, 
Amanda Cohen is such an incredible person. She's been at the forefront of taking care of hospitality workers for a long time. She was one of the first people to offer, to eliminate tipping and offer a living wage. And of course, her first impulse was to get out there and figure out how she can help out school kids. And we also spoke with Jenny Dirksen of uh, No Kid Hungry, who uh, works, <laughs> she's, she's at the center of a whole lot of this because she works directly with chefs to um, take care of kids in the school system who rely on those meals that they get at school to be able to be fed. Um, so I've gotten to speak with some really incredible people today. Now it's time for their voices. All right. I am so happy to hear your voice. Could you tell the folks who you are? Yeah, my name is Chris Shepard from Underbelly Hospitality in Houston, Texas. Okay, there is a reason I'm talking to you in particular, because uh, you're a person who a lot of people in the industry look to um, for, you know, guidance, guidance about what to do. You've been really proactive with helping out the the industry. Could you like tell me a little bit about what you're you're seeing there? I'm I'm seeing huge levels of panic and anxiety from uh, from folks because we've really never all been through something like this together. And you don't usually see chefs asking for help, and I see chefs asking for help. It's yeah, it's, it's a thing everywhere, and you know I think that the fear right now is that, um, and it's it's a very rightful fear is that uh, folks just won't go out and, and you know and that's going to affect a lot of everybody's you know lifestyles and a lot of every like just life in general um you know you're talking about when people stay at home um not just restaurants but everything starts to suffer but i, I speak to restaurants because that's what i know yeah um and and when you start talking about you know customer counts dropping and you know we've already seen you know, I like for us here in Houston, rodeo canceled, which you yeah. know was one of the largest things. That, you know, you say that to a lot of people, and like I don't understand that, but that's seventy-five to eighty thousand people every night yeah. at an event, which that you know doesn't really contribute that much to restaurants, but it does to our city. Um, yeah. And then you start to talk about all of the other things that are canceling across the board. Um, you know, and it's just a matter of of time before. We get back to it, but um, for the short time being, it's going to be kind of a long haul. It's going to be hard. Yeah. Um, so it's like, how do you take care of your staff? How do you take care of your, your people? Like, how, do, how does it work? And, um, you know, I think it's all about being very fluid and being very um, kind of flow with the changes because that's what we have to do. Um, we are not status quo at this point. You know, we're not what we've always been doing. So we have to think a little bit differently. Yeah, let's break it down a little bit, um, because I, I know that there are a lot of people who are, you know, just panicking about how do I keep my restaurant open? Okay, let's talk about it from a few different levels. How do I keep from closing the doors? Should I close the doors? What are the best protocols that I should have for the people who uh, who who work there? And how do I communicate to my guests, uh, you know, the measures that that I'm taking uh, to keep them safe. I think there's a, there are a lot of different moving parts around this. There, there is. Um, to answer the how do you keep your restaurant doors open, um, I, you know what? <laughs> I'm just in hopeful, thoughtful process that, like, we can do that. You know, that's yeah. the thing. Like, we want to make sure that we all have jobs and that everybody's still, you know, how long this lasts and that we can all kind of go together, but we have to keep supporting each other and keep going out and keep doing what we're supposed to do. Um, and, and, you know, but... 
staying safe in the same aspect, you know, as far as restaurants go, we've always been a clean mentality, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. the practices that we are doing are not different than what we've done before, but we've always kind of dealt with a flu or a something going around, and so you're always trying to be so very cautious about, you know, maintaining and running your restaurant, and, you know, it's just now, um, you know, I, I think the hand sanitizer thing is great, but, like, we try to order it, and it's like it's all going to hospitals and schools. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I understand that. <laughs> like that's good. You can't find it on the store shelf. So how do you do that? So you just have to find ways to. You know, we've got a sanitizer solution. We've got bleach water. We've got all these things. And as long as we're wiping down and we're keeping things clean, everybody's doing what they're supposed to. Washing your hands, right? Yeah, that's yeah. A big thing. And I'm not sure how this just became a thing. Like, oh, you need to wash your hands. You needed to do that all along. <laughs> True. So, like, that's just personal hygiene, and you've been doing that from day one. So, um, you know, it's 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 going to be tough, but I think we can all bind together and try and make it a better world um, if we can do this together. Yeah. So, um, how are you communicating this to your teams? Because there are, you know, all different people. There are people who deal directly with the general public, there are, uh, you know, there are people who are touching the food and I'm sure that they're scared because they're, they're people, um, as well. And they're, you know, they're, they're exposing themselves because they're, you know, having to be near the general public and, uh, you know, who are, who were scared. I see in, um, in New York, they've just told restaurants that they have to drop to 50% capacity to maintain social distancing, uh, between people. And that's going to take a big hit on, um, on, on, workers who are tips it, it, it is dramatically i mean because you're talking about some places in new york that are like they see 40 people so now you can see 20 yeah. you know that's 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 a tough pill to swallow that's hard yeah um and so i you know i, I th- i'm hoping this only lasts a short time but if it's a long time term thing we're gonna have to make some changes and have to figure it out together yeah. and that's gonna be the hard part but if we can all can you know you know, we're keeping our staff safe. We're, we have to believe in the public, for one. If you don't feel good, don't go out. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I can't, I don't know, like, I know a restaurant here was like, if you cough, we're going to ask you to leave. Like, <laughs> this also happens yeah. to be, like, the yeah. worst, like, pollen season. Yeah. You know, so, like, if you feel like that, then maybe don't go out or, or get to go. Yeah. You know, we can still cook for you. I will still put it in a to-go box and hand it to you. You can go. Well, let's um, actually let's talk about that uh, kind of pivot because I think that's important. I've, we've seen um, Canlis uh, in Seattle, you yes. know, where it's been very hard hit. I'm so impressed with how they've very quickly pivoted. They're a fine dining establishment. They've won so many awards for their their service. They are, yeah. you know, some of the most emotionally attuned hospitality people I know, and that's saying a lot because hospitality people are great at that. Um, but yeah. they're they're offering you know takeout they're offering drive through they're offering all these things that uh, you wouldn't expect from from canless so they they've been able to come up with solutions like that are you seeing folks around you offering that how I mean, we are yeah how you are know, you messaging this is the first time so like um like lindsay brown is like she spent 6 hours last night putting together the website for an ordering system for georgia james and then we'll do that for each one of the restaurants so people can go online and just order it, you know, because nobody wants to call. Like, very few people like to call in anymore. Yeah. You know, like, eh, I'm not really sure what I want. Maybe <laughs> this, maybe that. But if you give them a visual option and a pickup time, then, you know, they can go in, order it, 
we'll have it ready. They don't have to get out of their car. They just have to give the name to the person outside, and here you go. Here's your food. You know, if we're, we're all in the same boat, like, you say 515, and it's 515, here's your food. Like, mm-hmm. we all need to be doing our jobs. And so um, that's one way that we are have talked about changing yeah. a little bit. So that people, <laughs> they, they, if people don't want to go out, they still want to eat. Right. Yeah, true. Not everybody cooks every day, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're going to want to, and you know, the food delivery systems are great, but you know, I wonder how long that lasts. Yeah. So. Because workers um, deserve to stay safe as well, like the delivery workers do. Yeah. And so it's going to be, uh, like I said, we're going to have to be very, very fluid and ever changing and being willing to not be like, well, that's not how we do it. No, you're going to have to do it differently. (laughs) Yeah. And, and and if you're gonna maintain, you have to look at different options. I'm not saying like, you know, I know that. <laughs> so when Harvey hit Houston, yeah, you know, there was no lunch service anywhere. There was no nothing. So I was like, let's start a sandwich to go company. Let's go now. And we didn't really think it through. We just did it, and it was like everybody goes back to, hey, you remember the sandwich company? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I shouldn't have done that, but we did it. And, <laughs> you know, and so right. like, that's why. You know, people are like, hey, are you going to deliver? And I'm like, no, we're not because um, we just don't have the manpower or, you know, that's so much liability on people. And I don't, I don't want to put anybody at that risk either. To right. have to go to other people's homes. Like, I don't want to do that. If you want to have somebody come pick it up, a delivery service, please feel free to do that. But us, I don't want to put my staff out there like that. So Yeah. I mean, the, th- the thing that I have always greatly appreciated about you in particular is that you use your platform to shine a light on other businesses especially immigrant owned businesses and uh and i know that they're really suffering right now i know you know chinatown um here especially in in manhattan is is devastated chinatown in um in sunset park here where i live in brooklyn um four big dim sum places have closed um so I, Houston to me has always been a really great restaurant community. Yeah. How do you see the community banding together? I, I think it's tough. You know, I just did a news piece of, like last week with uh, some uh, restaurant owners from, from down in Bel Air, um, which is where our Asian town is. And you can see it, you know, when they start talking about 80 to 90% um, like loss and reservations, like that's, that's, that's devastating. And so I think at this point <laughs> it's very evident that we're all in the same boat. Yeah. Um, so um, we need to be out there supporting everybody all the time. Whether it's like, hey, you know what? I'm, no, I'm not going to come in tonight, but let me go ahead and get a couple of gift certificates so that when I do come in, like, we're good. So that's one way I see is, is kind of a smart way to do things. Yeah. Um, but if you feel good, go out. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to say that, right? Because it's a personal issue. Yeah. It's a very personal thing, and I'm not going to tell people what to do. Um I, I don't know. It's going to be a, it's gonna, hopefully it's going to be a short haul. I hope so. Cause you know, I'm, uh, as yeah. you and I know what, each other well enough, you know, I'm a very anxious person and yeah. <laughs> wrote a book on it. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, while I think I've been pretty good about remaining calm because I have to reassure other people, you know, in my role as a journalist and yeah. my role as a mental health activist, um, you know, I've been trying to sort of manage my own hypervigilance around all of all of this. What would you say to 
an anxious person like me to reassure me that all of the precautions are being taken. I mean, I personally am am making the decision to go out to restaurants in my neighborhood. You know, I take my temperature before I go out. Honestly, yeah. I, I live in New York City and I don't want to get anybody sick. There are okay. yeah, there there are restaurants that are uh, taking people's temperatures at the door, which uh, hey, you I, got you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, you do, and and I think that's. I, I don't know when I make that decision. Yeah. Right? I don't know if I, if I do, I, 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 man, that's such a hard thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think talking to people is a really good thing too. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, having somebody there to have your back and have your conversation with is, is probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, and that's why for us, especially in this city, we offer, you know, Southern smoke is there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about what, what that is because I know that you are such a, great support system for not just your own restaurant, but other, other folks in the industry. And I know that yeah. you have, uh, you know, collected money, providing resources. Um, yes. yeah. Talk about what that is, because I know you've gone to great lengths to help out people with, um, money and mental health. Yeah. So it's a program that we started five years ago. Um, it was, um, one of my old Psalms, we were doing dinner series together. He asked me, um, would it be possible for, for me to do a dinner to benefit MS. And I was like, well, they're sure. Of course. Cause you're asking like, what, but why? And he was like, well, because I was diagnosed with MS last week. And I was like, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're going to throw a party because doing a dinner and raising $5,000. Well, that is a good number. Um, let's do better. Let's see what we can do. And, um, it turned in from a small backyard out in the back parking lot of barbecue and do a festival, um, you know, we invited chefs down and, like, you know, Sean Brock and Ronnie Scott and Aaron Franklin were all here. That was the first year. And I told the MS Foundation, I said, I want to raise $100,000 for you. And everybody said, please don't say that. They laughed. Because, <laughs> um, you know, they, they were like, you know, there's a lot of people that throw parties and then don't realize what those parties cost. And then when it comes down to it, when they're giving the check back to them, it's like, oh, well, here's that $5,000 we talked about. Um, but we, uh, we really worked hard to prove a point And we... The same people that laughed cried when I handed them a check for one hundred eighty-one thousand. Yeah. Um, and then the next year was two hundred eighty-four thousand, and then year three happened. And uh, right, we're about a month and a half out, and Harvey came through and really put a Oof. put a hurting on our city. And you know, there's a lot of funds, and I had chefs and restaurateurs from around the country calling me, "How do I get money into the hands of individuals?" And I was like, "There's really not a system set up for that." Um, <laughs> And there should be, but there isn't. You know, there's the mayor's fund, there's J.J. Watts fund, there's the Red Cross, but none of that is specifically going to be designated towards people in the hospitality industry. Right. And so we worked with our community hospital next door, and little did we know that we actually had the ability to do this with our foundation. Um, You know, it was the first year that we actually brought somebody on to our first employee to run the foundation. And um, we figured out a way that people could apply um, and then once they applied and that became verified that they, you know, they weren't double dipping into the system that, sure. you know, they were just, you know, cause insurance was covering that for them, but however it worked out, um, then their, their names were taken off and then it went to a verifying committee or into a awards committee and we wrote, um, 139 checks for half a million dollars. Oh my God. In industry. Wow. Um, and it was one of the greatest days of all time for me. And, you know, we progressed over the past couple of years. And last year was our biggest um, our biggest number that we have raised. We raised 
$67,000 for the foundation. And we realized that after Harvey that, um, that this part of Southern Smoke was a 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week foundation. That any time anybody in our industry comes into a time of crisis, they can apply. And so we started doing events all year round to raise money um, because it's not just a – we can't fund this on just one day a year. We have to be able to take donations year round. Right. Um, and so a lot of things that we do uh, are definitely benefited towards the foundation because you never know when someone is going to need – you know, because anybody that has a dark night needs to talk to somebody, needs to talk to somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we don't have a lot of red tape. We can get somebody in to see somebody immediately. Yeah. Um, and if somebody comes into a financial crisis, we can pretty much, once it goes through the process, and the process is a lot. I'm not going to lie. It, it is a lot. But it's deeming that this is a crisis. Yeah. Um, and then once that's done, we can have you a check within like three or four days. Amazing. And so we're so fast on what we can do. Um, and we're very open. If we can't help, we find ways that you can get help. And so it's, you know, it goes from anywhere from $1,000, $500 to our biggest was $100,000. Wow. Um, to help a gentleman was in a, I, and all of it is, um, how do I say this? All of it is uh, where I don't know. Um, gosh, I can't think of the word. Where, where it's uh, nobody knows what's happening except for one person. Yeah. Uh, oh, confidential. Yeah, everything is confidential. Um, except for this one instance where they wanted me to know personally. Okay. Because uh, they wanted me to come to the hospital. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, uh, a mother, her son was in a motorcycle accident. He owns a wing and pizza joint outside of the city. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and he was on his fourth brain surgery. They just put his skull back in, and insurance said, we're done. You have 24 hours, and there was no way that this kid was getting out. And uh, somebody on the floor of the hospital, a volunteer, had read about Southern Smoke in the paper because we just had our event. This was year four. I said, maybe you call these. They, she looked at it, and she was like, I need a Hail Mary. She applied. Everything came through. Um and we walked in because she, her, her options when she asked said, what am I supposed to do? And they said, well, you can either put him in this facility, which is very expensive and it's cash up front, or you can put your son in the hospice and slowly watch it pass. Yeah. And when we found this out, it was one of these things like that can't happen. So we were, we walked in and gave her a check for $98,000 to put her son into rehabilitation to, you know, give him a chance. And so two years later, you know, last year he was at the festival. That's, um, so it's a, it's a life-changing thing that we're doing. The, it's, and it's probably the greatest thing that I'll ever do. It's such an incredible thing. Is, is there a way that you know people who are listening to this can partner with you or replicate yeah, this? Absolutely. So is this, is this uh, specific to Houston or is it nationwide? The goal is that we're going to grow it as fast as we possibly mm-hmm. can. But we, we have done things outside of Houston for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, all you got to do is apply. Yeah. Right, that's it. And then the, the, the committee makes that decision. But if you don't apply, then it doesn't happen. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, southernsmoke.org, and everything's on there. Yeah, I have a I have a feeling that there are going to be a lot of people who are going to want to partner with you, replicate, benefit from it, or something. And uh, because that's, restaurant people, restaurant people are the best people I know because you're in it to feed people and take care of your community in a really meaningful way. Yeah. And what? Well, it, and the thing is, is we got to take care of our own. That's how it's always been. Yeah. Know? And. And so I'm a big believer in that. And so restaurant folks are the ones that take care of everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, true. You need to sign a deal, you take them to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you need to go out on a date, you take them to dinner. Yeah. You know, you need a, you have your anniversary, you take them to dinner. We are always there. Yeah, you are. And- Until we're not. And that day is a sad day. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of our own, that we're doing the things that we need to do, that we're supporting our local restaurants, that we're supporting our families. Like, that is huge. Yeah. And that that's how things start to change. And Chris, I have to ask you, what are you doing to take care of yourself during this time? Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of conversations. I have a lot of people around me that I get to talk to and that I really, you know, I'm open with. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, making sure that my staff feel supported and that I'm here for them at all times. Um, you know, it's, it's, we, we, I know it starts with me, but it really starts with them. Um, and, and at at the end of the night, like if I'm not doing good, I can be like, Hey, I'm out and they still keep going. And so I want to make sure that I'm here for them to support them as long as possible, as much as possible. So, um, you know, but it's not just our restaurants, it's all restaurants. And so, that's the thing, you know, if we can all bind together, not just restaurants, but people in general, then we'll be okay. Chris, thank you so much for this. All um, right. Jenny Dirksen. Hello, friend. Hello, Kat. <laughs> Tell me, well, okay, there is a very specific reason I wanted to talk to you. Well, several. Um, you are a person who, in times of uh, stretch, stress and tragedy and stuff, you're on the front lines of taking care of people. You and I just right before this, we're talking about 9-11. Um, we're both New Yorkers and we live through this. Um, can you tell people about what it is that you do? Yes. So I work for No Kid Hungry, which is a campaign from Share Our Strengths focused on ending domestic childhood hunger here in the U.S. Um, And my background is the restaurant industry. So very specifically, I engage chefs and other culinary professionals to use their strengths to help end childhood hunger here. You know, and we're actually at a time where, you know, I've been talking to other chefs Chefs are always the first people who step up and take care of everybody else because they have, you know, the skills to do so. They got into the business because they want to feed people and they're they're suffering themselves right now. This is a really, really scary time for them. And yet at the same time, of course, the people who are popping up and helping other people. So what, what are you seeing out there? Who are you talking to? I, what are you seeing? You know, chefs are natural caregivers. Um, so we've already heard just this morning, I've heard uh, here in New York from Amanda Cohen and JJ Johnson, both wondering, should schools shut down, which is a stretch in New York, not to say it couldn't happen, but there's a lot involved. Could they help to provide food to kids? So this to me, is the restaurant industry they're hurting right now people are not going out people are canceling reservations we know that big conventions and big events are canceling and for so many restaurants that's actually how they can cover their expenses 
And yet here they are saying, okay, well, if I, if I can't be in business, how can I be of service? Um, and that, that to me, I think I'm just repeating myself, is the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry. So we look for those opportunities to plug them into what's already happening. Um, and I think I've lost track of what the question was and how no. I'm answering you. No, you're, <laughs> no, you're actually doing it because we're just talking about how, you know, chefs are, they're, you know, they're suffering right now in New York City. You know, this is the accurate information right now when we're recording this on Friday afternoon. Restaurants have been told to go to 50% capacity to make room so people can practice still go out to restaurants but practice social distancing so you know they're suffering for that but you're you're absolutely right that the people you know, people really rely on those big jobs also the catering the you know pri- you know private events and things like that's bread and butter for a lot of of people who are trying to make a living right now for and those sure. are being canceled we, you know we're in new york where folks are eating out all the time but i think about big convention destinations like vegas yeah, they're shutting. Where things are just going to grind to a halt. Um, I was actually thinking earlier today, much like you do and Hunter does, uh, where you send a regular mailing to this incredible industry. I have a weekly, uh, weekly, a monthly note that I send to chefs. And as I was composing the one that will go out later today, I was thinking how restaurants and schools are uniquely squeezed in this moment because of that large crowd capacity. So the two groups that we really look to connect with. <laughs> Right. The, most, the one that's giving the most to the one that needs the most are both feeling the squeeze right now. Um, and it seems way too soon to think about relief and recovery. And yet what I know from September 11th and Sandy is that the restaurant industry is the first to come back because we need those human connections. And it's not just about the food in our, belly, our bellies, but the chance to connect with others in our communities and Restaurants are the forum for that. They absolutely are. And, you know, you and I have known each other a long time and, uh, you know, lived here through September 11th and and through Sandy. And especially, you know, I remember during Sandy, uh, restaurants were shut down and still like they were getting they were finding people with trucks. They were getting together like, you know, Cambros and other, just other other ways to sort of serve food. They took a they took a note from what they do for catering and they were going out to places where there were affected populations. But at this particular point, you know, we're this is kind of unprecedented. We just haven't seen this before. Um in, in this particular way. You know, we're living in such uncertain times. And I know I want to talk about um, your work specifically with, with kids, you work so intensively with schools. And I think people may or may not realize that a lot of kids, um, this is this is how they get fed. They're not necessarily, their parents are, you know, don't have the money, they don't have, you know, whatever it is, resources and stuff. And so they really rely on school meals so they can eat. So can you talk about what's going on with that right now? Absolutely. So millions of kids across the country rely on school meals. The best known of those is school lunch. Everyone can remember that. Not everyone might be as familiar with school breakfast and after school meals. Summer meals, of course, shows up here, not the concern at the moment. But for schools that are closing, look at the state of Maryland, uh, where all schools are now closed for the remainder of the month. Our team, we have a robust team that only thinks about the work in schools, Mm. and they are truly hand-to-hand right now with uh, all of these districts, the superintendents, the teachers we know, the school nutrition administration folks to figure out where can we 
help to assure distribution. The problem with hunger, the issue around hunger in this country is not that we lack food, it's that we lack access. And so the specific focus of the No Kid Hungry campaign is ensuring that kids in need have access to these amazing federal meals programs that are waiting for them. And so right now we're ensuring that no one loses access during that time. I know that our team is in conversations with USDA and folks on the Hill, um, and I don't know where they're turning out, but I know they're considering some really innovative solutions um, that could help connect kids with meals, whether they're out of school for a week, uh, two weeks, or potentially longer. Yeah, and so, so many people who work in restaurants are shift workers, and they are parents. And they're, you know, terrified about feeding um, themselves if they are getting laid off, if customers aren't coming in and tipping, if, if uh, you know, delivery people, I was hearing stories yesterday of people not tipping delivery workers. Um, so their kids are, are going to be impacted by, by this as well. Absolutely. I think this is going to be, unfortunately, we're going to see waves of effect here. So, you know, the immediate one is going to be if school is closed, what does that mean for parents who have work hours who are not in roles where they can telecommute? Because that's not the role at all. Um, and then after that, who was affected in the hospitality industry? And then how does that, once again, come back to the money that's in our towns? I think that. We're going. Unfortunately, I think we're going to see restaurants make a great effort to weather this and only later feel the effects. I think there's going to be some social implication here. When do people feel safe going out again? That that's right. where it's different from a September 11th. Yeah. Um, but for sure, this is something that I, I'm positive our attention is going to be around this for many of the coming months. Yeah. And, you know, having, you know, worked through uh, September 11th and Sandy and stuff where restaurants, it changed restaurants uh, in in New York City. Some closed and were never able to come back. It, it fundamentally changed things uh, here. And I, I um, you know, I hear a lot of people saying as I, I don't don't want to be a you know predictor of of doom or anything, but I think it uh, you know this is going to fundamentally change restaurants across the country uh, right now. Uh, and so, what I'm wondering is what can regular diners do uh, to help support this, to help support you know if they can think of of uh, people who work at restaurants as parents as well who have mouths to feed what can restaurant goers do to to help your efforts and help uh, restaurants at large absolutely you know I, I I want to be able to say if you feel healthy and um, you know large crowds are not a concern get out and support businesses in your community that might not be advisable for everyone I certainly think now is a great time to purchase gift certificates yes. for restaurants and food businesses you adore something that can play out later perhaps people have an occasion that's that's yet to come much further down in the year making those plans early um so that restaurants know that there's something that they're still working towards i think those will be big things without a doubt food banks and kitchens um emergency pantries are all going to be looking for support right now again hands-on volunteering might be challenging at this moment it's a fine time to write a check if you have the ability to do just that Finally, there is legislation passing through Congress, we hope sometime soon, 
call your legislator. I wish I had all of those numbers handy right now, but it's moving through the House first, and then we'll be in the Senate, we suspect, early next week. This is the family's first funding. It will free up lots of funds for SNAP. That's the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program for families who are living at or below the poverty line. This will help them cover this time when they may not have what they need. You know what I really love is ResistBot, um, and you can use it, you can either text it or uh, do it through Facebook Messenger, and it helps you figure out exactly how to get in touch with all your representatives, and, uh, and, and it can send a fax for you, it can, it, can, uh, it can help you communicate with your legislators in, in all different kinds of ways. It's such a really great thing and gets the mess. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And um, final question, because I, you know, you are a person who, um, you know, immediately you're a helper, like Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers. And (laughs) so when I was thinking about doing this, I'm like, who can I talk to Jenny Dirksen? She's a helper. What are you doing to take care of yourself during this scary and anxious time? I'm a big meditator. Yeah. So I'm turning to that and I will own that I, I feel the difference in my body. It, it feels as though the blood in my veins has texture it didn't have before. Yeah. Um, I live next to a woods that frankly is ailing because of climate change. Oh God. Uh, but I find that being outside is useful frankly and this is obviously something I say from a position of great privilege. Um, I get to make my kids breakfast every morning and yeah. I can't convey the deep meaning that that gives me every day just to know I I did the the most basic function that I I, that I myself am able to serve and I'm passionate about serving and for me that's where it all begins oh my god thank you so much Jenny you are always a a voice of reason in scary times I am delighted to talk with you and I hope that we are all going to come through this stronger and healthier together. And if people want to find uh, what you're doing online, where can they go? They should go to nokidhungry.org. <laughs> Do that even when it's not a time of crisis. That's right. <laughs> okay. Hi, Amanda Cohen. How you doing? <laughs> I'm surviving. Yeah. Um, just so people know who you are, explain dirt candy, please. <laughs> So Dirt Candy is an all-vegetable uh, restaurant in the Lower East Side of New York, and I am the chef and owner. So you sent out, I mean, I always want to talk to you because I think you were so forward thinking about how to take care of the industry. You've always been such a, a leader in taking care of the people who work for you by, you know, offering livable wages and just doing incredible things for your employees. And it's real hard in New York City right now. <laughs> and you sent kind of a disaster. Yeah, and you sent out uh, a, a communication to customers earlier today that I thought was really smart and thoughtful and and sensitive uh, to people. So um, I want to talk about what you're what you're seeing, how you're feeling, um, because I know you're under particular regulations in New York City to go to fifty percent capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, it's funny that they're telling us we have to go to 50% capacity because we are already at 50% capacity. <laughs> right. Um, it's more like, it doesn't have to mandate it. People self-mandated it. Yeah. I feel. Uh, and uh, it, it's really scary. I think I've owned the restaurant for 12 years. I've worked in New York for almost 25. And this is the, the most scared I've ever been. Then. But, you know. We live in New York. We're New Yorkers. We will weather it. <laughs> we are. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like I know that um, 
you know, we are, we are super tough people. And so, you know, so many of us have made it through some really dark times. This is, this is unprecedented stuff. And I know that as a business owner, you are responsible, like not just for the business, but for all the people who, who work for you and, uh, you know, and rely on, on, on this income and for people coming in, how are you communicating to them? What are you, what are you telling them right now? Well, right now we're trying to be really honest. Yeah, we all sat down and decided to be as honest as possible. And, and what we have to tell people is we don't know. Uh, and I feel like part of our issue is, and my, my bigger issue is, nobody's telling us anything. Yeah. We're getting bits and pieces here, so I don't know how to then uh, repeat that back to my staff and make them feel things, let alone me. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what's going to happen because nobody's giving us any sort of clear indication of what is going to happen is this two months is it two weeks is it six months what is the city going to take care of how many people can i keep on what if it's six months is there really only that one loan can we have more bill interest loans what about my rent like yeah so much that's up in the air and we talked about it with everybody who works for us we're like we're going to do our best uh you know those of you who we can keep on we're going to keep on and those of you who can't you need you to get on unemployment right away. It's all I can do is be really honest about it. And it's better for people. The way I look at it, it's better to get on unemployment than have fewer hours in the restaurant. Yeah. Make more. Yeah, it is... Um you know, uh, you were really thoughtful in your communication uh, to guests as well. Can you talk about how you decide, how you came up with your policies and um, came up with your language for communication? Because I really, you know, it, I think people are, are are very confused right now about what to do because they want to go out and um, and support restaurants as best they can while also taking care of their own health and the health of the people around them. We're all getting mixed messages from you know, city government about what to do that. So can you talk about messaging to your, your, your guests and what you want them to know, what you want the public to know? Well, everybody's health is the most important thing. So that comes first. That, that's the number one. And uh, number two is, is, I think, feeling safe. And it's hard to feel a little safe right now. Uh, but I've always looked at the restaurant as this little paradise. Fancy island, and you know, you come in and you get to forget your worries because what we're doing is feeding you, we're giving you comfort. We are in the service industry, we're there to make you feel better, to give you a good time, and or a better time, or a safe time, or feed you. I mean, it's such a basic necessity. And you know, number one, if you're a guest, take care of yourself, trust us, we will do the best we can for our employees. But you know, if you can step outside of yourself for a moment, come. You know, support us because we want to be here when this is over. Yeah. We want to be a part of life getting back to normal. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, that's the thing is, you know, we're all living in these really confusing times and people are going to be in tremendous need of, of comfort. I mean, I, you know, I moved here in uh, 1996. So, you know, I was living here during 9-11 and during Sandy and, and all of that. And after you know, sort of the initial shock and damage and everybody's, you know, trying to take care of one another. Restaurants were such a refuge, getting together with people at them. And if those restaurants aren't there when people, uh, you know, are are, are ready to go out again, that's going to be an entirely a, a change of 
an entire like change of life for people and especially in you know in new york city where it's just what we do well exactly life won't feel normal again so when you need life to feel normal once this is done it can feel crazy for a bit but i feel like you know once it's all over the faster we can get back to some sort of normalcy the better otherwise it's gonna the stress is gonna last for years yeah, can you um, just tell people a little bit about you know some of because you know restaurant people are you know the most hygiene sensitive people out there, so it's like y'all y'all were ready for this, but um, you know I know that there are additional guidelines being uh, handed down by CDC, and you know I have a friend who's a restaurant owner who was who was told she's in a different state, but she was told that they have to wipe down handles of every single door, the bathroom, the front door and stuff after anybody touches them. So, you know, these are changing on a daily basis, but can you just to reassure folks, talk about some of the protocols that you are taking? Well, one of the funny things is, I mean, we're getting also so much different information from everybody. Again, it's not, there's not one sort of like, one stock sheet that's been set out that's not changing. Uh, I feel like every restaurant's kind of doing everything that uh, we're being told to do and then everything we've ever learned from the health department like we're in it we're we are ready prepared for this every day yeah uh, so yeah uh, everything's getting wiped down uh, you know we usually wipe the tables down after every guest is there in chairs but you know we use a little bit more sanitizer than we have because that's not something we've ever really thought about beforehand it's not a bad cost it doesn't actually affect us that much differently we've always wiped down the tables uh we're cleaning the bathroom constantly everybody is wearing gloves in the kitchen and we're like changing them and we're so on top of that and they're washing their hands constantly. I mean, and if there's any group of people that's used to washing their hands constantly, <laughs> it's kitchen workers. Like this is, this is our bread and butter to us is washing hands. Um, and, you know, we've taken it really seriously. We've taken seats out. We have a council where people sit pretty close together. So we've taken some of those seats out and we're taking out tables so everybody can feel like they have yeah. some sort of space around them. And you know, one of them we're 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 a fine dining restaurant, so we've always folded napkins and tables. It's so ingrained in us when somebody gets up and folded it. Now we're like, nah, let's just give them a new one. <laughs> we're just taking that one away. You know, I'm I'm having to see a lot of flexibility from uh, restaurants adapting. Like some who had never done takeout before are suddenly doing takeout or doing drive-through or you know just trying to figure out really creative solutions. Is there any sort of like adaptation of, of service? Because you know I know you have a different kind of, of restaurant than a lot of those other do because um, you know it's just a different format. Is have you ha- had to consider doing a different kind of service? Oh, yeah. Well, I think we're going to try to keep the restaurant as um, as the same as possible because, you know, I think what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks is people will still go out, but yeah. it'll be for special occasions or, you know, they've been stir crazy in the house. <laughs> so once a week, maybe they want to go out instead of like three times a week. We're New Yorkers. Everybody goes out all the time, right? Right. So uh, I, I, I want to keep the experience same yeah uh, and that's really important but on the side i obviously i have to keep making money and, and i have to keep paying my rent uh so yeah we are for the first time ever dirt candy is actually considering doing delivery and do a different menu than we've done in the past 
Yeah, I, I've seen various restaurants uh, doing that, like Canlis, which is, you know, super known for its, you know, high touch hospitality and stuff is doing yeah. drive through and stuff. Um, I also on this uh, recording is going to be uh, Chris Shepard. And he said they had to figure out, you know, a, a, a takeout system overnight, like ordering online and, you know, getting um, delivery services in there too, and, yeah. and adapt in a different way. And, you know, restaurant people are, are hardy and thoughtful and you're all you're all always on the front lines taking care of everybody else and maybe here's a chance for you know people to take care of you. I mean I I also just interviewed Jenny Dirksen uh who had who shouted you out with tremendous warmth because you stepped up to her and said what I know you already help out with with food in the schools. Um what are yeah. you Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I don't know. I mean, I everybody's just discussing it, but you know, I am the culinary uh, co-chair for No Kid Hungry, and those events are so big for them. That's, that's where they make all their money for the year, and it's just disappeared. So whatever we can do to help them out, to keep the system going, to keep the kids fed, like, I am there for it. It's so unbelievably important. Yeah. I mean, I know that in, in New York City currently, um, gatherings of over 500 people are banned. So, yeah, so a lot of this stuff is having to be uh, postponed. But I mean, I can't impress upon people enough that if you are able to sort of support that, you know, that gathering in the future, that charity or whatever it is, you know, help out with that. I know a lot of people are talking about gift certificates and how important that is, because that might help a restaurant's bottom line right now. Uh, do you suggest that? I, you know, I'm trying to go out in my neighborhood uh, right now. I take my temperature before I go out, <laughs> you know, just as a precaution uh, and just make sure that I'm that, that I'm OK. I'm going to do that as long as I can and, you know, and just try to rally and support. And Amanda, you are a person who takes care of so many people like, you know, you were one of the first people I thought to to check in with. What are you doing to take care of yourself right now? I'm just trying to stay really calm. But, uh, I know it's a good I wish I, I had time to do more, but uh, I'm just trying to breathe through this. Because if I start panicking, I feel like there's a whole lot of blocks that are going to come tumbling down after me. Yeah. And so if people want to find you online or on social, where can they find you? Dirt Candy and, uh, Twitter, Instagram is Dirt Candy NYC. And then I think Facebook's Dirt Candy. Yeah. yeah, and I imagine people could buy a gift certificate there. <laughs> Can they? Yeah, absolutely. Anywhere. <laughs> buy the restaurant, go to our website, buy a uh, gift certificate, make a reservation for like two months from now. Yeah. I feel like, you know, life will be normal. Amanda, I'm going to be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the soonest that I possibly can. I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm gonna Thank you so much to all of the guests today who took time out of a really frantic 
and busy and scary time to offer reassurance and share with people what they're seeing that is, cha again, changing hour by hour. We'll keep you updated with uh, the latest of what we hear, especially how to support these institutions and the people who are so vital to us as members of a society, members of a community. Um, we will share all of the links to their websites and to their social and to their projects in the podcast description and really listening to a whole, I've been I've, I've spoken with a lot of people today in addition to the ones whose voices that you heard restaurateurs are scared right now people who work in restaurants are um, everyone I know is just kind of at a loss about what to do the important thing is to take care of yourself and the people around you and uh, you know be kind to yourself listen listen to your body listen to your soul and what what you need like I said at the beginning, I'm a person who who deals with a lot of anxiety myself, and I've been working really hard to try to manage that in times of crisis and think about what really matters to me. And what I've come up with is that I can't help anybody else unless I, um, you know, am in a, a better state myself. They, there's the old line about uh, that they say on airplanes about put your own mask on before helping others. And that doesn't have to look like putting your head in the sand or taking from other people or, you know, or, or hiding away from anything or shirking responsibility. It can be five minutes of meditation. It can be turning off the news for a, a moment and, and getting away from that. It can be sending a text to a friend, checking in on them or letting them check in on you. It could be walking around in the sunshine. It can be you know, petting a dog, holding a, holding your kid. It can be whatever it happens to look like for you. This is a, this is a difficult time for a whole lot of people. Um, I find myself sometimes clenching my, my muscles and, you know, holding my breath. And I've, I put a lot of notifications out on, on Twitter that like, Hey, maybe take this moment and relax your muscles breathe stop picking at your skin maybe I'm talking to myself when I'm doing this it's a habit of mine but anything um, that you're doing right now that is an anxious behavior you're only hurting yourself and it's okay to be kind to yourself you will have more battery reserve if you take care of yourself right now this is a long haul kind of thing and yes we're all worried and yes we're all uncertain about the future, but what you can do is take care of yourself and the people around you. I want to thank our podcast team um, for helping me get together um, this this so quickly. It's um, Jennifer Martinick, uh, Hallie Tarpley, and Margot Gotthelf, and they're all just really spectacular people. I want to th the food and wine team is all over this. And uh, if you want to go to foodandwine.com, you can find our pro section there where we're sharing really updated information about what's going on in the restaurant industry and how to help. Um, my colleague Maria Yagoda has been really taking care of, of so much of that coverage, um, you know, along with our editor-in-chief, Hunter Lewis, especially the whole team, um, really, and um you know, just operating, seeing what is happening out there and updating our guide to uh, restaurants, how to support them and what they can do to um, take care of themselves right now. You sub can subscribe to the Food & Wine Pro newsletter. It comes out on Fridays and uh, Hunter Lewis writes that sometimes. Um, Osette Babur and I uh, pitch in on that as well. And we'll be keeping you up to date on um, what is going on. 
And if you have something that you're seeing out there in the world and want to tell me about it, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm kitten with a whip on Twitter and um, you know, just reach out to me and let me know if there's some something you're seeing around where you are or um, you've heard of a really innovative solution and I will um, do what I can to explore those and reach out. Most importantly, take good care of yourself until the next time.